This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, this week's episode is with Jocelyn, one of my favorite people, and she has my same birthday. Because good people have that birthday. August 20th is a good birthday. Um, We talk about so much stuff. I don't even know how to describe it. We talk about Montana. We talk about Alabama. We talk about different belief systems and cultures. We talk about our vagina. We talk about having babies. We talk about parenting. We talk about everything. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Jocelyn. I enjoyed it very much. She's such a good person. She's someone I'm really glad to have in my life. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you for coming back every week. Thank you for your emails. I read every single email. I'm sorry if I don't respond, but I definitely read every single email. Um, So keep them coming. And if you are reading the book, The Push for our book club, it's coming up sometime in August. So get to reading if you haven't already uh, started. It's a good book. So it should be a good discussion. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode with uh, my good friend, Jocelyn. He doesn't come over here. Is there a ghost here? Mm-hmm. There's a ghost so in the exciting. other house. Does that freak out your kids? Um. Oh my God, my feet are so dirty. Um. Yes, it freaks out Isla a little bit. It doesn't as much anymore. I had a medium come, mm-hmm. and because I thought there was something going on in this house, because first of all, the previous owner, the husband, died here. Right. Yeah. He died in his bedroom area somewhere i believe so uh, the weird things were like it's really weird i can't really say like and the dresser moved across the room not like that but Uh i was like we're hitting roadblocks we shouldn't be hitting like i don't know why this is becoming so difficult to to start this project i very much believe in flow right yep Uh, your life should, for the most part, be flowing. Sometimes it doesn't, and that's cool. But if you're hitting block after block after block, you should stop and go, is this the right direction? Am I doing the right thing? So that kind of stuff was happening. But instinctively, I was like, no, no, no. We bought this house so effortlessly, it was meant to be. So maybe there's a ghost. Maybe the fella who died here is going, no, 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 don't mess with my house. So I called a medium And she walked in the side door, did not see any of my house, and told me, 
so much stuff about that house. There's no way she could have known that I knew well, from the crazy. owner. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. So I love stories like this. Oh, you do? Yeah. So Thelma. Like, I don't really believe you. but You I'm, don't? <laughs> You don't, don't believe in ghosts? You're lying. I don't think you're lying. There's no part of me that thinks you're lying. But I'm like, come on, there's no ghosts. I want there to be ghosts. I want there to be ghosts. Well, I'll tell you, you'll believe it. Okay, okay ready? Good. So she walks in the side door and sits down and she goes, um, there's definitely a ghost here, but it's not the guy who died here. He's fine. He was ready to go. He was in a lot of pain and he was. He had pancreatic cancer. And she said he died in the house, but he was ready. He was ready and he's saying to me, I'm ready. I was ready. I was so happy in this house. He hopes that you're happy in this house. And he described kind of their life in this house, which was exactly what his wife, who is living, who I bought the house from, described to me. So a lot of the stuff Thelma had told me, this medium told me also. And this medium knew my first name. She didn't know my last right, name. Right. She didn't know anything about anything. And she was like, previous owner was a lawyer. Yes. Previous owner, and they had a lot of parties here. Yes. Thelma told me this was like the party house. They hosted fundraisers for local politicians here. They always had big family gatherings here to the point where they had a pool table in their den. And she had this special like plywood tabletop built for the pool table so that they could seat people for dinner because they never had enough no seating. seating. Oh, that's funny. So I know that this was a big party house for them. She, Thelma told me they were very good friends with Hugh Hefner and Hugh Hefner gave them their master bedroom bed that was really oh, I think I saw crazy, it. It right? Was, it was, with the mink yeah, and oh my yeah. God. So, and the medium said they were friends with someone who was very famous and he was here often. I don't know who he was, but he's a very, very, very well-known man. I'm like, I mean, how could you have known any of that? Right. Just a guess. I don't know about that. And then she kept saying, Thelma, the owner, uh, who's still alive. She's like, you know, she drives by here every week and looks to see what you're doing in the house. And I was like, she does. She said, yeah, she's very concerned that you don't have a pantry. Uh, she keeps thinking in her head, where's her pantry? Where's her pantry? She's very concerned. And I was like, this is so bizarre. But then she said, you definitely have a ghost. Um, she said two things that were really crazy. My dog and my daughter did not like the master bathroom, like got hair standing up on the neck, like goosebumps, hated that part of the house. We've since gutted that part. It's still the master bathroom and closet, sure. but all the, everything in it is gone. But the lady said there was a lot of suffering and she pointed in the direction because she had not been in my house. She said, over here, there was a lot of suffering. And that's where he was ill, was in the master suite. And I wonder if he spent a lot of time in the bathroom mm. um, she's, or if he even passed away in the bathroom. I don't know. But she said this over here, a lot of suffering. There's so much darkness. Are you tearing those walls out? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, good, because energy goes into the walls and it stays there. So if you didn't tear all that out, it, that part of the house would be very dark. And I said, so interesting. That's where my dog doesn't like to go in there. And my daughter doesn't like to go in there. And she said, that's why they sense this real serious, heavy energy. Mm. Um, but she said, you definitely have a ghost. He's standing right over your left shoulder. He's, he's telling me his name is Max. He's in his 20s. He never lived in this house, but he spent a lot of time here. I don't know if one of his friends lived here. He was not friends with the previous owners. It was before them. And he's never left this house. He died in his early 20s. And he's 
he just loves this house. He has such a love for the house and he's telling me he's not leaving. So he, I can't get rid of him because he's not going to leave, but he's happy. He's really happy. And he's asking me, where's your dog today? Why didn't you bring your dog? She didn't even know I had a dog. Right. Yeah. She had no idea. And I went, well, I mean, I was meeting you and I didn't want to have to deal with the dog. She said, he's really fond of the dog and he's very concerned about the rose bush. There was one rose bush at the back of my house. It was beautiful. It's purple and it's so fragrant and it's just beautiful. And I was going to have to tear it out because we were putting uh, a porch there, a big back porch. She said, he's very concerned about this rose bush. And I said, should I try to keep it? And she said, he's saying, yes, please keep the rose bush. Oh, that's so nice of you. So I did. I kept the rose bush and now it's planted in a little rose garden over here. Now you're on good terms with him. With Max, right? (laughs) So she said, the problem with Max is, he's telling me there's people on and off this property all the time. You know, we'd recently been robbed and our garage got robbed. Yep. So- He said, just so you know, it happens constantly. There are people on and off this property all the time. He's saying that you need more lights. You need more lights, put lights everywhere. So I was like, okay. Um, And then she said, I'm going to tell him he can stay, but I'm going to tell him he can't go in the bedroom or bathroom. He can stay in the den, in the kitchen, in the living room, anywhere that's just a common area. But I'm going to tell him to stay out of the bedroom and bathrooms because he has no business being in there, especially with your girls. And I said, that would be great. So here's how I know he's here. Okay. We've redone the house. I have two coat closets at my front door. Um, Just coincidentally, because of like architectural reasons, I ended up with two coat closets. They are open all the time. I am the only person in this house most of the time. And I close it and I come back through the house and they are open and I'll close it again and I'll do some stuff. And I come back through the house and they're open. And I mean, like I'm pulling on them. You can't pull them open. Someone is opening Opening these two doors, just those two doors. So I think it's Max. I wonder why he's opening them. I don't know. Cause there's nothing in there, but coats. I think he's just saying I'm here. So I like I've, I've known so many people who have been helped by mediums and who, I mean, crazy stories. I have an old client whose son died and they hired a medium and they tell me the story and I'm like, yeah, this is totally true. Yeah. And it just never sinks in. And I was thinking about it this morning because I don't know my children's signs. Like they're astro. I don't. Your zodiac signs? I have no clue. I have no clue because I just don't do mysticism. Right. It's just not in me. Right. Like it goes in and then it's just gone. Why do you think that is? I mean, I was raised by serious atheists. Serious, serious atheists. <laughs> I didn't know that. So there's no, <laughs> there's no religious background. And I, there was it's just belief systems. Like, like I, can't, I would have to actively work to change it. And mm-hmm. there's not any reason that I've come across so far to actively work to change it. Right. So. I mean, I thought about that. Like I've been told my children's Zodiac signs so many times. No, it doesn't stick. I have no idea. When's their birthday? Um, My daughter's is end of August. So she's whatever comes after Leo. Uh, Virgo. Okay. And then my son's is early April. Early April is an Aries. Aries. That mm-hmm. sounds familiar. Ask me next time I'm on it. I, <laughs> like, I don't know, like Sagittarius and Cancer, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Maybe they're, I don't know, penguin and duck. <laughs> Who knows? That's so interesting. I didn't know your parents were atheists. Yeah. And I mean, not, they were devout atheists. My father more than my mom. Well, isn't that a, also a religion to be yeah. a devout atheist? <laughs> yeah. 
They were devout. Yeah, they were very devout. Yeah. So and it then, was important. Like it was important that we were atheists. I remember I rebelled once and for like a week. I was like, I think I believe in God, but it was just to rebel. Right. You don't really believe in God. No, I didn't really believe in God. Huh? No. That's so interesting. I totally believe in God. Um, I, I believe in a higher power. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's something out here out there that's controlling, maybe not controlling, but there's a, there's a, like a reason and a path. And, you know, I pray every night I was brought up Baptist, Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. And my mom believed in, um, uh, she was very into transcendental meditation. So we would go to the center and do stuff with like Maharishi Mahishi Yogi. So I don't really know what that is, but it was an arm of transcendental meditation. I did not know this. Yeah. This adds a layer to your mom. Yeah, my mom's an interesting cat, yeah. man. She grew up in rural, rural, rural Alabama. And when she uh, she put my dad through um, school, they were high school sweethearts. They got married three weeks after she graduated from high school. She's a year younger. And then he went to school to be a mechanic for two years, auto mechanic. And then when he was done, he very kind of forward thinking of my dad said, well, what do you want to do? Like you've been working literally in the suit factory. She made men's suits in a sewing factory to put him through school. And he said, your turn. What do you want to do? And she said, well, I think I want to be a model. She was really, really pretty. And he was like, okay. Um, and I think he secretly thought this is a phase and she'll come to her senses and mm -hmm. she'll want to be the mom that she's always wanted to be. But that did not happen. The opposite happened. So he sent her to Barbizon modeling school in Atlanta and then Barbizon sent her to Chicago. And when she went to Chicago, everything changed and she was never um, quote herself again. That's kind of the thing where she kind of got exposed to the world and went, okay, I'm not living. I'm not going to be a stay at home mom. That's not me. Huh? And she then started, that's when her um, criminal behavior started showing up, like taking out credit cards in my dad's name and running up the credit cards and not telling my dad and him not even knowing he had a credit card. And all of a sudden he has this bill they have me discussed. He'd send her cash to come home and she just wouldn't come home. Like that kind of criminal behavior started. How do you think it spiraled? Like what was the... I guess there's probably not one instant or incident. I'll tell you what I think it is. I think she grew up with a, her dad suffered terribly from PTSD. Mm. He was probably one of the angriest humans I've ever known. And it now as an adult and now that he's diagnosed, we know for sure what it was from. He was, well, he had, he was on, I think Hiroshima. 30 minutes after they dropped the bomb and he was in charge of not in charge, but he was a person who was supposed to find survivors and oh, lived there for six months. And uh, he was a wreck. He never talks about it. He talked to me about it when I was about 22, but he was undiagnosed. Um, and then he went to Korea and fought in the Korean war also. Um, so he had two wars under his belt and the first one was just absolutely horrific and completely damaged him. And somewhere in the middle of that, he got in a fight with somebody who hit him in the back of the head with a logging chain. I don't know if you know what a logging chain is, yeah. but it's enormous, right? Uh -huh. And so that I believe caused There's some brain damage. Brain, there was some head there. Yeah, yeah. There was some head trauma there. Jeez. So he didn't really have a shot. 
I don't think, no. at any kind of normalcy. And I swear, he, I would hear his foot hit the front porch and I'd go under the dining room table and stay there till he left because he was so scary. He just screamed and screamed and he had this big, deep voice and it was terrifying. And I can't imagine that being my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad's the sweetest, most loving, yeah. gentle. And that's not what she experienced. And I think she met my dad, who was the sweetest, most loving, gentle. My dad was super handsome, really charming, very fun. And I think he was her savior and got her out of that family. And I don't think she intentionally went, I'm going to jump from you to this other life. I think she really believed that's what she needed, but didn't understand how broken she was from her childhood. And so once she got into the kind of monotonous routine of stay-at-home mom and then got a taste of freedom, she was really young. She had me when she was 21. So she was at Barbizon at what? I don't know, 25? Um, I think she just went, yeah, what am I doing? Right. You know, on some level. And then, you know, part of having, as I've said, I believe she has a borderline personality disorder that, and I, I believe this is my belief that she has some sociopathic behaviors based on my experiences with her. Then if you apply that to a person, then she doesn't see anything wrong with running up her husband's credit card. Mm -hmm. She doesn't see anything wrong with going, yeah, this doesn't work for me anymore. I'm moving on. That doesn't, our normal brain or somewhat normal brain doesn't, it doesn't compute for us, but it totally computes for her. Right. Totally computes for her. Because people with personality disorders, that's the problem is they can't see their role in the equation. No. Yeah. No, no, no. She's on... She's divorced her sixth husband and it's always their problem. It's always their problem. They have something wrong with them. And I remember a long time ago saying to her after like number four, the only common denominator here is you. So at what point are you going to say, huh, maybe some of this is me. Maybe not all of it. Maybe you're choosing the wrong guys. Maybe those guys really are schmucks. But you're in every one of the relationships. So at a certain point, you got to go, huh, maybe I'm doing something a little off. Guilter, I don't know. (laughs) But that's never been the case. Even to this day, anything that anybody does wrong, it's definitely not her. I somebody said something, a therapist recently said something to me that I thought was really interesting about personality disorders. They said there's two big flags, and one of them is um that like therapy wouldn't help them because why would they do therapy? There's nothing wrong with them. So if there's somebody in your life who's like, oh, therapy doesn't help, therapy is stupid big red flag. Yep. And the other one is that they think people suck and that they're better than them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty spot on yeah. for the people in my life that I know that I'm like, you might have a personality disorder, buddy. Right. Yeah. The therapy thing is really true. They really don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with my mom. According and they to scoff me. at therapy. It's oh, like yeah. they make fun of yeah. people. Mm-hmm. They'd never do it. She went to therapy once because her fourth husband was like, I think you need some therapy. And she really, I think at that point was starting to give up on herself because it was her fourth marriage and she's failing and failing and failing. And she went to therapy um, and she would come home saying, well, she told me my husband sucks here and she told me you suck here. And I was like, "Huh? I don't think you're using therapy the way you're supposed <laughs> to use therapy. And then she came in one day and she was like, my therapist would like to speak to you. And I went, okay. So I went to therapy. I talked with her, with my mom for a few minutes. Then my mom left. And then I talked to the therapist. And then my mom came back in and my mom was 
furious. And that night she said, she told me the only thing wrong with you is that you're anxious. That woman doesn't know what she's talking about. And she never went back. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. She thought she was going to drag you in there and the therapist was going to be like, your daughter sucks. Yeah. Your daughter's manipulative. Yeah. She went, your daughter's just kind of anxious, which is pretty typical for a 20 year old. So she just doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And she's feeling anxious. That's it. And my mom's like, she's an idiot. I remember her saying that woman's an idiot. I'm never going back to her. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I mean, looking back, you see all of it, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, red flag, Mm -hmm. red flag. Yeah, totally. I don't know how we got on that subject. What were you talking about? Oh, the Maharishi Mahishi Yogi. My mom was hardcore into astrology, very much believed in psychics. And my dad's family believed in, um, they called them witches. So there was a witch that lived in our part of the world named Mahaley Lancaster. And if you ever lost anything or if you ever needed an answer to something, she knew where things were and stuff like my grandfather lost his wallet and had no idea where he lost it. And he went to Mahaley and she went, oh, it's in this field. It's right here. If you walk 15 steps over here, it's right there. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. And, uh, and it was. That's crazy. Yep. So she was an actual person. She was. A, oh, yeah. Uh, she was an actual person. Yep. And her name was Haley Lancaster. Mahaley. Mahaley. Mahaley Lancaster. She's actually in the movie Murdering Cowie to County starring Andy Griffith because <laughs> they used her to help solve a murder case. She just was one of those people who had answers to stuff. And, you know, I got my warts conjured when I was a kid and it worked. So I totally believe in all that shit. Completely. I want to. I want to. I right, want right. to believe in witches. And definitely I want to believe in ghosts. And for sure I want aliens to show up. <laughs> like, I for sure want that to happen. I remember remember when the um, SpaceX yeah. launched and everybody for like 10 minutes was like, holy shit, there's aliens. Yep. I do. I, I remember I got a voice message from my ex and he was panicked. And I was like, no, this is fucking amazing. I can't wait to meet them. <laughs> That's so funny. So then I know how I rely on faith to help me cope. What do you rely on? So I struggle. Okay. I want I want to say I, I am not at this point. I would not say that I am a devout atheist. I'm just not a mystic. It, it's just not in me. I don't know how to describe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ask me that question in a different way. Cause I'm not sure what you mean. Like, okay. So I have a belief that, um, this goes back to my Jesus days when I okay. was uh-huh. Baptist. So the Baptists believe that, uh, Jesus, I, I prefer to say God, because I feel like Jesus is a middleman. Why would you talk to Jesus? That's his son. It's God. But in the Baptist belief, they say Jesus, you know, carries you all the time. So you can put your worries at his feet because he'll take care of it. So whatever is supposed to happen, basically, is what it's saying is if you live your life a good life, you get a good life back. And if you if you kind of not 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 concern yourself with your problems, but believe that your problems will work out as they should because God is there to help you, then they do. And I kind of believe that. I, I don't kind of believe that. I absolutely believe that. I, I, I believe Jesus was a really good person. He was a, an actual person who lived in time. But I don't pray to Jesus because, I really, like I said, I think he's the middleman. I would just pray to God. And I think they're all kind of one idea anyway. Right. Yep. So is Buddha. So is, you know, 
everybody else that's a religious figure. I think it's all part of the same idea. But I really believe when something bad happens that I'm okay, that this is where I'm supposed to be for whatever reason. And I ask for the reason and I usually find it. And I also listen, like sometimes things happen and I believe that that is the universe saying this is the right path or this is the wrong path. Like I was talking about earlier, if things get too hard, I go, huh, why is this so hard? Everything should be flowing because if you really have that belief system of Jesus carried me when I could no longer walk, which is basically what the belief is in the Baptist church is then, then it should be flowing. And if it's not flowing, then I'm not on the right path. I'm not in touch with my higher power or whatever. Insert your own new age term, but that's what I believe. I really believe that. So do you believe anything like that? Well, yes, I do, but it's a little different. I hope I can give you a good answer to this because it's hard to explain. I think that we should choose beliefs that are really empowering. And so if I'm in a difficult situation, what I try to do instead of going, oh, Jesus, this is so unfair. Why am I in this situation? Is go, okay, I believe I can make this a good situation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to look for opportunities to make it a good situation. I mean, obviously there's tragedy and I don't do that with tragedy, but with with just general life obstacles. I'm, I don't, I don't ever go, this is where I'm supposed to be. That doesn't, that's not part of who I am, but this is a situation that I'm in and I can make good is, is, Mm -hmm. and that I can find a way and that the universe will present a way. I don't really think of it as God. I just think of it as like, there's the universe is huge and there's so many resources. And if you look for them, you find them. Yes. And if you sit there and think, oh, Jesus, this is so hard, you're going to be closed off to finding them. Totally. So I don't think it's terribly different from what mm, you believe. No. It's just that I'm not relying. Maybe I am relying on a higher power, but it's not in my consciousness that that's what I'm doing. Right, I just right. am like believing in benevolence. I believe that uh-huh. the universe is good. Uh-huh. And I specifically have chosen to believe that the universe is good because I think you could also find a lot of evidence that the universe sucks. Totally. Absolutely. But that's not empowering. And like, why I can choose whatever beliefs I want. There's nobody to stop me. So I'm going to choose the ones that work. That work. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely true. That was the problem I had with the Baptist religion is that he's a God of wrath, that you were born, you were born of sin and you should repent the rest of your life. And I was like, I don't think that's what God wants me to (laughs) do. Right. God also didn't put every animal on the planet on a boat for 40 days. I mean, that's not, I I don't think that happened either. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure the cheetah would have eaten the gazelle. I want it to have happened though. (laughs) Totally. Cool story. (laughs) But I was like, there's no, I, I don't, I don't even get the metaphor for that, except the metaphor is God takes care of those people who obey him. But is it about obeying? Like I had so many problems with mm-hmm. the religion. Yeah. But the faith of being held and being loved and being carried, I totally bought into all of that positivity. It's the same thing you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I chose what part of what I was taught to keep. And then the rest of it, I went, yeah, I don't believe he's going to strike me down. <laughs> with lightning because I flip somebody off in traffic. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I can drink wine. 
and not go to hell. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure since Jesus made water into wine, why can't the Baptist drink wine? I'm so okay, confused. I didn't know that the Baptist couldn't drink wine. Oh, when we got married, we kind of, it was really oh, frowned upon. Right. Yeah, right. We couldn't yeah. really drink. We weren't supposed to drink. So we, were, we got special permission to have beer and wine, no liquor. That's right. No liquor. And we could also dance. It was pretty dicey, but I don't believe in all that shit. Why would God make wine? Right. And not let you drink wine. Obviously, you're not supposed to do anything in excess uh, for your own health right. and well-being. Yeah. But and if it makes you not do it because you believe it's a sin. Awesome. But I don't believe I just don't believe in that kind of limitation. It's so interesting when I run across people who do. So I remember when my grandmother was dying. Well, she was close to dying. I went to visit her um, and it was one of the last trips that I saw her and she knows that I'm not baptized. Although I think she baptized me in her swimming pool when I was younger. I <laughs> <laughs> can't really remember the details of that, but it's, it was always very you know upsetting to her that I hadn't turned my life over to Jesus. And so she invited people over. She lived in a retirement community, an apartment in a retirement community, and she invited people over from her church. And I thought that they were coming over to visit her. So I very politely stepped out into the hall. <laughs> Oh my God. But they were there for me. I soon oh, no found way. out. And one of the, my grandmother lived in Texas and one of the women talking to me said, so do you believe in evolution? And I said, yeah, yeah, I believe in evolution. And she was like, I've never met anyone who believes in evolution. And it was so interesting because at that time it was like, I can't think of a single person who's in my daily life who doesn't believe in evolution. And what a huge Gap. divide that is yeah. between how they go through their lives and how I go through their lives, because uh-huh. I don't ever think about God. Right. Like, I mean, if it gets brought up to me, yeah, I'll think about God. But in my day-to-day life, there's not ever a moment where I'm thinking about that. Isn't that funny? I know. That, that describes so much about um, the struggle I think we have in our country mm-hmm. right now is because there's so many people who don't ever... Uh, there are so many people who are like, I've never met anybody that believes in evolution and yeah. people like us can't believe that those, that people like that exist, but they really do. I mean, really do. It's just, this is a huge piece of land we it's live a on. a huge piece of land. Right. Yeah. And there's also, I think a lot of people who think that because I don't believe in God, therefore, or because I don't believe in a like Christian or whatever. A kind religion. Of God, that I don't have a moral compass, but I think, you know, that's not true. I have a very strong moral compass. Yes. It's just not coming to me from, it's not coming from the same place, but very often it's an aligned moral compass. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think that's confusing too, for people, if you're not brought up in a church, how I wasn't brought up in a church. Like I didn't go to church until I went to high school. And then I had a crush on the preacher's son. Don't tell anybody, but <laughs> had a big crush on him. I was like, I think I'm going to start going to church. By the way. Yeah. If there's something you don't have to do in life, if you don't want to do in life. Like I remember I had this job and I never wanted to go. And I was like, I just need to find somebody to have a crush on. So I found somebody and this person was like a six, I was in my twenties, was like a 60 year old woman that I was like, <laughs> I love Carol Springer. She's amazing. <laughs> That's funny. Talk to myself into having a crush on her so I could make it to work every day. That's so funny. Okay, so your preacher's son. Yeah. So I was I was secretly uh, in love with my preacher's son. He didn't give me the time of day, but 
Um, so I started going to church and then I started going, huh, interesting. Some of this is kind of interesting. So I wasn't really, I mean, my whole family's Southern Baptist, but we didn't go to church. I did that on my own um, because I think I was looking for some answers. I was mm-hmm. looking for something to hold on to, some kind of security. And even though I was brought up with a really excellent moral compass, my dad is very moral and ethical and, um, you know, lives the principles of the Bible, so to speak. Don't cheat, don't steal, don't kill anybody, that kind of stuff. He was really a good person, which is the point. You should be a good person, no matter what your religious beliefs are. It doesn't matter. But uh, I don't know. I got rambly all of a sudden. But I wonder how if people listening who were brought up in the church, I think it's very foreign to think uh, you could be brought up not in the church and have the same basic end result. Right. Right. Yeah. The same basic end result is you believe in some form of higher power, be it the universe or benevolence or whatever it is that and you have the same kind of not the same, but you have a good solid value system that's not based on religion. Right. And I think people brought up in religion have a hard time believing that that is true. And so do my kids. I mean, I think a lot of people brought up in religion would probably be a little horrified with some of the things that come out of my children's (laughs) mouths because I'm, I let them say dirty words, but, um, they're good people mm-hmm. and they like their concept of God is even less than my concept of God because they, their grandparents, you know, I had religious grandparents. They mm-hmm. don't even really have that. Right. Um, their dad's mom is a Jehovah's witness, but that to them is just so far removed that they can't even hear. Right. Like they can't understand any of it. Right. Yeah. My kids were not brought up in religion either. However, they are now at Catholic school. How's that? All girl Catholic school. It's been really interesting, I have to tell you, because um, in my curiosity about the Baptist religion, I read the Bible cover to cover um, because I was like, well, if I'm going to be part of this, I should know what they're talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. not just from the preacher who handpicks this and that. I don't know how I, I don't know why I thought that way at such a young age, but at a young age, I thought, well, I should read the book he's talking about. If I'm going to be part of this, I should understand what he's talking about. So I've read the Bible. I'm not the most familiar, but I am pretty familiar with everything in the Bible. I am not familiar at all with Catholicism. I have no experience of Catholicism at all, other than going to St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York on the reg because it was beautiful. And I'd sit there and feel uh, like in a sacred place, but I know nothing about nothing they were doing, mass or I don't know any of that. So Georgia for the first year was like, this is a bunch of crap. What do you mean he turned water into wine? That doesn't even make sense. And then why are we talking to Mary? I mean, she got pregnant out of wedlock. I mean, really? She oh, got Jesus, pregnant. This, is, uh, this I, is even my, even my atheist person over here is like, oh, Georgia, you have to stop saying that. I know, right? And she's <laughs> like, what's going on with this religion? And I was like, um, well, and then it, it opened up a broader conversation about, um, about faith and what faith is. So if you're going to be faithful, in a religion you've agreed to participate in, you have to sort of believe that, that Mary got pregnant immaculately. 
And if you don't believe that, then maybe you're not Catholic because that is a very integral part Mm -hmm. of Catholicism and baptism, Uh, Baptist and Methodist and any kind of Christian religion is that Mary got pregnant immaculately. Um, I can't really sign off on that. I'm too science based. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But so she was like, okay. But then they started doing things in religion class that I thought were really powerful that had nothing to do with the scripture. It had to do with kind of knowing yourself and then believing that there was something bigger than you at play, that you're not the center of the universe, that something else created this universe. And I think that started resonating with her. The good thing about their school is they are very Catholic. I mean, they're nuns that run part of the school and they have to take religion class and they are rigid in some things with the Catholic religion. But then they talk about other pieces of beliefs and religions in general so that the kids can kind of go, oh, okay, this is really about uh, believing in something. And they would prefer, I believe, in Catholicism. But really, it's about knowing yourself and having a relationship really with, from school, with God or Jesus. But you could apply other things with that too, your higher self, the universe, um, the Buddha, whatever, having a relationship, which is a way to kind of connect with your soul, sort of. So she started really, I think, resonating with that part, connecting with your soul, um, and Isla was the same. The freshman year, she's like, what the hell is all this shit? And then at one point she goes, you know, my religion teacher's pretty good. She almost had me believing in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? She's like, yeah, almost, almost. <laughs> I was like, well, you can believe in Jesus all you want. That's fine. It's, it's open for whoever. But the point is that you have some kind of self-reflection based on a parameter, right? That you've agreed to be part of. So that could be anything that, you know? Yeah. I, my kids are at a school that is not religious, but they do, they co-locate with the church. And so they, the agreement is that the church comes in to their assembly and does a little, it's supposed to be kind of an inclusive non-denominational service, but it's real watered down because (laughs) it's not a religious church and people freak out. Um, and at first I was really opposed to, that was like the downside of the school was, mm-hmm. ugh, I hate it that they even have to hear about God, but now I kind of wish they would ramp it up because mm-hmm. I want them to understand these perspectives and to get to know who they are. And like, I trust that what I have taught them is enough to make good decisions for themselves. So yeah, I, wa- I mean, I want them to hear the like full the full sermon. They don't get that though. Yeah, I do too. Actually, I do for a lot of reasons. That's one of the reasons we took the kids back to the South every year is I wanted them to see the deep South Mm -hmm. in, in its real true form. And there's so much positive and negative about it. But if you don't get that perspective, how can you have a balanced point of view about anything? Like, you know, all my cousins wear guns on their hips. Mm -hmm. They do. I have no problem with that. I don't even notice it. Yeah. My kids and go and they're like, that guy has a gun on his hip. And I'm like, yeah, you know why? Because he is in the river 
There's snakes. There's beaver. There's all kind of stuff he may want to shoot, especially snakes. Um, so he's got it kind of for protection. We're floating down a river. We're not, there's no pirates on this right. rural Georgia river <laughs> right. float. It's for like animals. And, you know, they have cows. And at night there's coyotes. And sometimes you need to shoot a coyote. So they just and have a gun. You have to shoot one of your cattle or a horse. You do. To be humane. You do. And it is heartbreaking, but it is the better option. Absolutely. Yeah. My horse got shot because he was not going to make it. Yeah, I'm from Montana, so I have a similar experience with it. And I don't notice, I, I notice the cultural shift for sure, mm-hmm. but I'm able to adapt to it. And that's something that I think, like my kids, if they went to the deep South or if they ex- really experienced rural Montana, would not know what to do in not a good way because I want my children to be Mm well-traveled. I want them to be able to adjust to different customs and traditions. And they are just so Southern California children. I think about what are you going to do the first time you're at somebody's house and they pray before dinner? That's never happened in their entire lives. Right. What are they going to do? Like, do you know how to have manners around that? Right. Just as you would with any culture and tradition. If they went to, you know, a Middle Eastern, I would want them to be respectful. Yeah, totally. So how do you teach that? Do you just talk about it? I mean, we talk about it a lot, but I also, I need to do a better job of just exposing them to that. And I think I made a shift in my mind about it. There was a time when I was really protective about it. I didn't want it for them. And now I'm like, you can handle it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we do talk about it and we, I talk about, you know, here's what I do. Here's what I choose to do. And here's what to think about. Um, But ultimately they're going to have to do it and they will, you know, at some point they'll have They'll go to college or get a job or whatever, where they are in a different culture and realize it. But I haven't done a good job of teaching it so far. Well, I think sometimes you don't think you don't think about it either. You, yeah. You're living in this culture because this culture that we live in fits who we have become. Mm-hmm. This is not who or I should just speak for myself. This is not necessarily who I started out as. Mm-mm. This is who I became. And I'm really happy with this person. So this person may not work in the South like the person I was when I was 20 would have. Mm-hmm. So I think kids born here, just like kids born in rural Georgia, or rural Montana, stay there. How can they have a, any other perspective? Right. How could you expect anything different? You can't. So it's it, it does take some thought to say, it's my responsibility as a parent to open your eyes a little bit. And, you know, we went to Montana. This is what we were supposed to talk about in this episode. When we went to Montana this summer, uh, w- even though my kids have gone to the South their whole life, all this taxidermy in this one store really flipped them out. <laughs> taxidermy is everywhere in Montana, too. Right. It's everywhere. Is it not in the South? It's not, it is it? It is, but it's simpler. Got it's it. all deer. Oh, yeah. We're big on taxidermy in Montana. I mean, nobody, nobody hunts bears. There's not enough bears to hunt. There's nobody hunts mountain lions. None of that shit gets taxidermied. I mean, like if you run over one with your car, maybe, but nobody hunts that. It's all deer hunting and boar. Deer Montana has like, there's, there's like bear rugs everywhere. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bear rugs. We went in this one grocery (laughs) store in the middle of Belt, which is a tiny town, as tiny as my town was, Belt was small. Remember where Belt is? I it's we flew into Great Falls. Okay, it's half okay. an hour from Great Falls. Okay, is it kind of um, scary? Is it a little bit? There's a there's um, one town I can't remember what it is that is 
This is the most dangerous town in Montana. And I drove through once and I was like, oh, yeah, this is frightening. None of Montana is frightening, but that town was. But it wasn't Belt. No, I went Belt was tiny. It had like maybe 12 stores. Mm-hmm. That's it. The whole strip was like 12 buildings. That's big for rural Montana. Is My mom it? lives in a town that has a gas station and two bars. Oh my God. This had yeah. mostly almost almost everything was a bar. Yeah. There's a it, lot of bars. Yeah. It was a grocery store bar. There's not even a grocery store where my mom lives, oh. but two bars. No. Yeah. There's a grocery yeah. store. Um, so we went into this grocery store and literally all four walls were covered in everything that lives in Montana. Mm-hmm. There were mountain lions, bobcat, uh, like some kind of ram, a bear, um, deer, um, just like literally birds, all different kind of birds. It was the walls were completely covered. I didn't even see it. I didn't even notice it. No, I didn't notice a single thing. And my kids were like, what is going on? This place is terrible. They can't believe they shoot all these things. But it opened an opportunity for me to have a really good conversation right? with them about the different cultures. Like you can't walk into there and go, this is a terrible thing. Right. This is how they yeah. live here. This is, hunting is a sport. Like lacrosse is a sport in Southern California. I probably don't play a lot of lacrosse in Montana and that's okay, you know? Yeah, and you need to, before you're gonna be really critical of a culture, get to, really get to know it because Montanans, in my experience, have more respect for nature than Southern Californians do. Absolutely. And by a long shot. I agree. By a long shot, they're more connected to nature. And so it's not like they're just walking around shooting animals yeah. and then walking away. And so I want to clarify that because it, it is a little bit not a sport because there's more meaning to it. Well, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> because most of the time when a hunter kills something, they eat it. They, all process of, they it. use all of it. They use all of it. Mm-hmm. So the taxidermy is part of using all of it also. Yep. So I don't think anybody understands that who doesn't grow up in that culture. Yeah. I mean, when somebody in my family shot a deer, we ate deer forever. For I would fill your freezer and you would eat it forever. And you give yep. it to neighbors and you make sausages out mm-hmm. of it and you tan the hide and you use every single everything you can piece yeah. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like old school, like Native American almost. Yeah. And I don't Which think- is I don't know. I don't know much about the South, but Montana, the Native American culture is very, very strong there. It's strongly felt. I don't know if you experienced it where you were, mm-hmm. but it was something that I experienced a lot growing up. Oh, yeah. It is very strongly felt. Yeah. There's not much diversity in Montana at all. There are a lot of Native Americans and that is where really the racism. I mean, there's racism in Montana, but it's really experienced with their relationship with Native Americans, with the white Montana's relationship with Native Americans. Really? Yeah. Mm hmm. We didn't really experience anything Native American when we were there. Mm-hmm. We were very, um, we were surrounded by white folks. Yeah. White folks everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was all white folks. And almost all of them were from Southern California. Oh, really? Yeah. It yeah. was kind of, or Georgia, one of the two. Yeah. They're not, they're not well liked. The, the Southern Californians going to Montana. I would imagine not because yeah. they're taking the land and. Jacking up pricing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Got some different ideas. They do have some different ideas. SoCal people suck in Montana, probably. (laughs) I mean, I love SoCal people. And I always, it's interesting. So a lot of my friends from high school will post things on social media about how much California sucks. And I 
find it interesting because I have never been so well embraced as I have been in Southern California Same. and Montana. I have a lot of love for Montana and I grew up in, you know, a different era. There wasn't the internet, but there was one kind of kid that was accepted there mm. and that was it. And I look around here and there are just every shape and color that you want to be is available. I and agree. Including being a Montanan. Mm-hmm. And so that part has always rubbed me the wrong way. I understand why, you know, it's shifting the culture in Montana and smaller, you know, and all across the country where people from Southern California move in. But I don't know. I think the rest of the world has a wrong idea. They think Southern California is filled with like elitist snobs uh-huh. who are, it's just like liberal money. Uh-huh. And there is that here, but there's also a lot of other stuff here. I agree. There's a lot of regular people here. Mm-hmm. All my friends are regular people. Yeah. I mean, they have like, some of them have really high powered, fancy jobs, but nobody's a snob. Mm-mm. They're all pretty regular. And I feel the same way. I mean, I lived in New York before I lived here. I lived in Atlanta as an adult before I moved to New York. And I felt completely wrong in my skin in both of those cities. Mm. I got here and within six months, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I remember I moved to, so- it took me a couple years here, but I moved to West Hollywood from Manhattan Beach. And within about a week, I remember sobbing because I was like, this is the Aww. first place I've ever lived where I felt like I was home. Oh, yeah. And West Hollywood's awesome. It is so awesome. I, know, I, know I, I live there. Too. Everybody moves there first. I they think. do. I know. And then they're like, I can't afford this. And the streets are too narrow. And I then know. they end up in the valley. And they end up in the valley because <laughs> it's so much more livable. Which is where we lived in West. I mean, that's where I lived when I met you was yep. West Hollywood. Yeah. Yep. I lived there. Well, yep. I lived in like Wilshire La Brea. Yeah. At the time. But when I first moved here, I moved to West Hollywood. You lived on Detroit Street, I think. I did. That's yeah, where we that's lived. That's where I met you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On Detroit. Mm-hmm. My little apartment. Um, so you went to Alabama. What'd you think about Alabama? I, okay. I loved Alabama. Um, it's, did you bring your kids? I did not bring my kids. So I flew there and the final flight was a, um, eight seater and we had to give what our weight was. And I was like, y'all better not have lied about your weight. (laughs) And then we had to sit according to weight. So I didn't get to sit with Daryl. Because he was at the front of the plane and I was at the back of the plane. Oh my God. Um, but I mean, I could wave at him. There were, and we eight met seats. the The pilot was like this. I mean, he looked 12 to me. Where does he live that you have an eight seater Muscle Shoals. Oh yeah, Muscle yeah. Shoals. Yeah. So we flew into, where did we leave from? I think maybe it was from Atlanta to Muscle Shoals. Hmm. I think it was Atlanta to Muscle Shoals. Probably Atlanta or Birmingham. But Birmingham's it Birmingham. not direct. It wasn't Birmingham. Yeah. You can't it was, fly direct. Right. We, it was, we flew to, I don't know, Dallas first and then okay. I think Atlanta and then the final flight. Yeah. But uh so that was a funny experience because I was like, oh Jesus, the pilot just introduced himself to us and he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> this is like his first flight. <laughs> What'd you think about Muscle Shoals? Loved it. Okay. Muscle Shoals. I didn't really get a feeling for Muscle Shoals, but it's connected to um Florence and I don't know. And I think Muscle Shoals might kind of be dying a little bit in Florence, Mm. which is where the university is, Mm, seems to be. But it was beautiful. I didn't realize I hear bad things about the South and it was beautiful. Um, Definitely a different culture. Mm -hmm. And I would like to go, I want to go back and really vacation and take the kids there. You do? I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, The beautiful beaches in Alabama, Mm -hmm. Orange Beach, Gulf Shores. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful beaches, Apalachicola, which is actually, I think, in Florida. 
It's like right on the line. So pretty over there. I don't know how far that is from Muscle Shoals, but it was crazy. And then we drove, so we drove back there. We flew there. He had a, my boyfriend had a truck there. And so then we drove it back. Um, and so we drove through a bunch of the Southern States and the whole time I was just like, I have been wrong about these States. This is gorgeous. Yeah, it is really pretty. It's totally different than Montana, too, because the mountains are more like big hills. Mm -hmm. They just kind of roll on forever. The Appalachians are just so pretty. They're they're like. To me, I feel like the mountains out west. Are so big that they make you feel like tiny, Mm -hmm. but the the mountains in Appalachia make you feel part of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have to say Whitefish, Montana is one of my, the prettiest places in the world. But that said, I really thought the South was more beautiful than Montana. I don't know about more beautiful, but different. different. It's different for sure. It's more my kind of beautiful. Is it really? Uh It's kind of less aggressive in its beauty. Mm -hmm. Like it's more. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's not so like pointy, big and fast river. You have to be rugged. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's mountain man, but different kind of mountain man. You you got time to drink some moonshine in Alabama. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to. And I would like to spend more significant time there. I I really thought I'm going to do this trip. And I had gone to Florida, which I don't really. That's not the South. Well, I was in. Um, panhandle? the panhandle part oh, okay. of Florida. So it is a little more the South. Yeah, that is. Um, and it's not my scene. The, it wasn't my scene. I had a great time. I saw a, some girlfriends that I love, but it wasn't my scene. And I thought that I would feel the same way about the South. And I really didn't. Mm. So, so, I mean, my prejudices exposed there where I was like, oh, the South. Well, in that, yeah, it was awesome for yeah. everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I expected to love Montana and I did, but, um, but it's like exactly what you're talking about with Southern California. People come out here and they end up mm-hmm. loving it and then never going home. And then some people come out here and they hate it. Yeah. A lot of people come out here and they hate it. Yeah. I love it here. I love it here too. I'm not liking our homeless epidemic at the moment. I'm feeling yeah. very guilty as a person to live in this very nice house and walk outside my door and see all these people living under blankets. I have to tell you. So that has been a huge thing here because there's so many people who are angry about it. And I am, uh, it breaks my heart, but they're angry that the homeless people are there. I'm glad that we're seeing it because they were always there. They were just on skid row and we didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that now we're seeing it because there is a bigger problem than I knew. I think there's more people than I think skid row is full and this is the overflow. Yeah, this is the overflow that there are more now, but, Mm -hmm. but they, I mean, they have always been here. We just, they've got. They weren't, they were tucked away. Yeah. Yeah. Unseen. You're, you're right about that. I don't know how the hell we're going to fix it. There's so much infringement on civil rights to get people help they need that. How do you fix it? How do you fix it without the homeless cooperating? Also, you know, as one tiny piece of the puzzle, but that's still a piece of the puzzle that causes a full stop. Did you see the little tiny homes, the little tiny village? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, that is, uh, called, what is it called? Heart of the Valley. Yes. yes. Uh, we donate to that institution. Oh, I do too. Uh, I, and they have a race that I do every I do year. too. Oh, the turkey do. trot. Yes, I didn't yes. know you did that. Yeah, it's not called I the turkey did. trot. It's, it's called drumstick dash. It's called the drumstick dash. It's, I've already right, signed yeah. up for this year. Oh, I haven't signed up yet. Oh. And I didn't do it this last year. I didn't, well, I don't know that they had it because of COVID. I don't think they had it last year. We did it the year before. Um, for the first time, I didn't know about it till the year before. And that's when we started donating to them. I think they do. Hope of the Valley. 
Hope of the Valley. Hope of the Valley. Hope of the Valley. So Hope of the Valley is a nonprofit and they have taken on homeless as their, well, I think that's always been their mission, but they built these little tiny home villages and they're just basically like a bedroom, right? I think there's a bedroom and a sink and a toilet. Mm -hmm. And it, but it's somewhere for a homeless person to go. Um, It's a home. Um, And I just love that whole institution. I know. The Valley. They're awesome. Um, So yeah, we donate to them every year and we do the drumstick dash is so fun. Oh, I'm going to try to do it with you. Do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. I'll get my kids to do it. My kids love it because they, oh, they love it because they thought that I have wanted to go downtown and serve at the mission on Thanksgiving day since I had kids. I used to do it before I had kids and my, my entire family, not my kids, but my entire like extended family who I spend Thanksgiving with is like, no. And so I've been searching for a long time to do something on right, Thanksgiving. Course, yeah. And so that's what we came, we came up with. And then the kids, I'm like, this is, we're donating money. We're running for a cause and all these other people are doing the same. We may not be scooping dressing out onto a plate, which is what I used to do, um, but it's at least something. So they have some awareness that you give on that day and uh, they love it. I mean, you have to get up really early. You do, but I, I have done a lot of races. Um, and it is, fu- it is a fun culture. It's super fun. It's so fun. Like you do have to get up early, but it's just, I mean, there's just mobs of people and then just to, you know, run three miles and I, it's people cheering you on and it's a fun culture. It's super fun. People make fun of like runners who do that. And I'm like, no, it's amazing. Like yeah. you get up early. There's always people who are really positive and helpful. Mm-hmm. It's socially good. And you get the most ridiculous medal. You do. And it's you always get a so shirt stupid. that you're never going to wear again. <laughs> we got a medal shaped like a turkey that had yeah. like swinging legs yeah. on it. I was like, what am I doing with this stupid medal? I'd rather you take that money and put it back. I know. I do have one. I don't. I, they don't need to do the medals. Don't do the medals. Right. Except for for marathons because I have my marathon. Oh, well, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But that's different. Yeah. That's a marathon is different. Yeah. This is. Uh, and I marathons mean, aren't fun. They suck. Oh, I would never <laughs> do one. I will never awful. do. I guarantee yeah. you never. But but yeah, that, that drumstick dash is super fun. So I've already signed us up. I'll, I'll send you an invite to our team. Oh, good. Cause yeah. Okay, good. So yeah, I have yeah. a team. I, okay, cause you know, I started a team. I invited all, I didn't know that I didn't even think about you being interested, but I invited a bunch of friends and one other family has signed up to be on our team. Oh, I'll be on your team. So, My kids okay. will bitch about it, but they'll do it. They should do it. It'll be, yeah. Fun. They'll complain the whole entire time. But I mean, you can walk it. That one is like a lot of families walking. Uh, I walk it. I don't run. I have a, I have a torn hamstring. Oh yeah. I didn't yeah. know that I'd torn. And I kept re-injuring it. And, you know, being from the South, you don't go to the doctor unless a limb is actually <laughs> no, hanging from your body. I'm the same way. And I apparently tore this hamstring years ago. And I was running with my trainer. And I was like, oh, ow, ooh, ah. And went and had it checked out. And they were like, yeah, this is already like super big scar tissued. And you need a lot of rehab to get this thing to stop re-injuring. Like we can't repair the tear, but we can rehab you. So I can't run until that is rehab. It's rehab. So I'll be walking the drums. I think it's every time I, every time I talk to him, there's, I find something new where you and I are the same way. Cause I don't like the doctor either. I do now go cause I have enough wrong with me, but I, when I had cancer and I was, I went to the oncologist for the first time, 
here's what goes through my mind. It's not even like, oh shit, I have cancer. It's fuck. I don't want to have to go to the doctors. Cause that is one thing that sucks about Southern California. Mm-hmm. It is a pain in the ass to go to the doctor mm-hmm. when you live over here. And sometimes you have to go over the hill and parking. And I was like, ah, uh, this is like really inconvenient. So I said to my oncologist, I go, is there any chance <laughs> that it's just going to go away? <laughs> she <laughs> was this woman who doesn't suffer fools at all. And she looked at me and she goes, well, why don't you go home and wave some sage around your house and see what happens? <laughs> oh my God. And you were like, I'm not a mystic actually. So and I'm like, well, that isn't going to work. Right? That's, <laughs> That's so not gonna funny. Work. How funny. But I know. I know. I said, is there any chance it'll just go away? Because I didn't want to fit it into my schedule. Totally. I was like, I can't fit this shit into my schedule. Totally. <laughs> I've been supposed to have a colonoscopy for a year and colon cancer is in my family. Yeah. And, and I keep like, going. Yeah. I don't really have time. Who am I going to get to pick me up? I don't have like two days to not eat. All uh, of that stuff. Like I have to go to the DMV. Okay. So Leanne, we share the same birthday. Yes. And I have to go to the DMV before our birthday, which is oh, in shit. eight days. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, no, no, I don't have time for that. No, no. Yeah. By the way, I bought you, a, I didn't buy you a birthday present. I got you a birthday present from underneath my medicine cabinet. Awesome. What is it? From under your medicine cabinet? Well, thank you. I don't, I didn't get you anything. No, I know. Well, I got oh, what is this? Binax now? It's coronavirus test. Amazing. Self-test. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. Two I do tests them. too. I do them before I go. Like I did one this morning to make sure I didn't have coronavirus. Well, thank you. And I, then I realized it was your birthday. So I grabbed you one. Well, thank you. Very fancy. Yes, I know. Very fancy. That um, bag also, uh-huh. also from under my bed. My Happy storage. birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Oh, you're I welcome. have a cabinet full of all kinds of goodies like that. Oh, I'm like, I don't have time. Do you have, shove it. do you have, um, oh, but do you have coronavirus at home tests? I do. Oh, you do? Well, now you have two more. I know I have two more. I, I don't, don't think have people that know kind. about them. I don't know if they do either. We, we. You can get them off Amazon. We bought some on the black market a oh. long time ago. Oh, I want. <laughs> Is it still available? Because they're not like. It's not like super affordable to do them every time you go somewhere. No, it's not super affordable, but I could hook you up with some. Oh, nice. If black you want. market. I have some, yeah. You have a black not, market connection? They're not in the fancy package. But they're really. accurate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I, um, <laughs> I, I probably do shouldn't have said that. Sorry, Bert. <laughs> but I do. Uh, my kids are hilarious when I make them take it because it makes my daughter sneeze and cry. And I'm always like, good, good. You'll get like a good sample. Right. And then my son's nostril is like that long. <laughs> <laughs> so you're touching his brain like, matter. And I'm like, I bet this hurts. And he's uh, like, yeah, it fucking hurts, mom. Oh, uh, I had to get tested every two days when I was in Serbia with Bert. Uh-huh. And those people. They're serious about the testing? A. B. I don't think have any human emotion at all. <laughs> like, not at all. The testing people. They literally were like, I was like gagging and I've had, I've had many, many tests. I've never had it as aggressive as they were in Serbia. And here they're like, if you blow your nose, right, it gets all the matter kind of down where it needs to be. And then you can kind of easily gather it. Yeah. So I asked him, can I blow my nose? And they're like, no. And literally like, <laughs> I think she touched my brain every single time. And I'm, you had to do it every two days. How long were you in days? Serbia? 12 days. You did it six oh, or seven times. Well, the more. first four days I was in quarantine. Mm. So after that, so like eight days, every other day. What are you doing now? Like, what do you do? Your girls get tested every week, every two weeks at school. What's their stuff? Oh, no. They don't get tested there. Mm-mm. If they're vaccinated, they're not tested. 
Got regularly. It. Oh, if they're right. not vaccinated, I think they're being tested, tested yeah. regularly. Mine aren't vaccinated because they're not old enough. So, yeah, yeah. Mine are both vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and it's a high school. So right. I think yeah. everybody there should uh, has the opportunity to be to vaccinated. Be vaccinated yeah. And they did have a free vaccine clinic at school. So if you, you could just go to school and get vaccinated one day before school started a couple weeks ago. So I don't know. I don't know what this uh, fall is going to be like. I I'm know. not sure what to expect because they're fully open. They're not offering any at home there. We are at school and I'm, I'm cool. I'm good with that. My kids need to be in school. It's Georgia's yeah. senior year. Um, and Isla Kreischer. Senior year. I, can't I met either. you when she was six months old. I, no, not Georgia. You met Georgia when I was pregnant with Isla. No, when I met you, she was six months old. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right. Yep. Because then you insane. got pregnant with Isla, and that's, that's why that's kind of you broke up our tennis club. I know I did it. We were shit. Uh, we were terrible. We were true shit. Terrible. You know, I still have our, I ran across Scott's phone number. Like I was sco- fi- finding another Scott. And I was like, it's in my phone is Scott, the tennis guy. And I'm like, I wonder if he's still teaching. He, he is. wasn't a very good teacher to us. I and liked him a lot. I, I don't he think he had like, a lot of patience with our social. I think he just, well, I think we weren't serious. And he was like, he wouldn't even tie his shoes. That son of a bitch didn't even tie uh, his you're shoes. You're right. I forgot lessons. about that. He wouldn't. And he'd <laughs> no. slop around in them shoes. I forgot about that. I ran into him. He's living in the valley now. Oh, is And he? he's teaching somewhere in North Hollywood when I ran into him. I ran into him probably four years ago. So I bet he's still teaching. He was a nice enough guy. Yeah, he was super nice. I mean, yeah. I liked him a lot. Yeah. He just, we didn't learn tennis. It wasn't his fault. It was our fault, really. Oh, it was totally my fault, too. I didn't care. I just thought I wanted, I needed something to, to Get do. Get out of the house. I yeah. know. I needed to do something. I think about that right now with, I have some people who have young, young, you know, babies at home. And I'm like, oh, this is, man, those first few years are brutal. Yeah, they are. I'm reading a book now for our book club book called The Push. And I'm not very far into it, but she is a gr- woman who had a very um, screwed up childhood, whose mother had a screwed up childhood. So she has like generations of abuse and neglect going on and she wants to be a mom and it just absolutely kicks her in the ass. And I have to tell you, I'm reading this book going, these are so many things that I felt in the Mm -hmm. first couple of years of being a mom. Like, what have I done to myself kind of thing? And I think it's interesting that her cycle of abuse, she was trying to break, which was what I was doing. I, I, abuse is such a strong word. I know. I hate that word. And I, I feel very, I feel like a liar if I say that I was abused. I know what you mean. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't, no one beat me. I wasn't sexually assaulted. All of my tra- trauma was mental with my mom. And that is so harder to explain mm-hmm. because if somebody's hitting you, you can just they're hitting me. Yeah. But when you try to explain emotional and mental abuse, it's, I know what you mean. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I never thought of myself that way until I read a book called Strong at the Broken Places that Kathy Fromkin recommended that I read. She was like, I think you need to read this book. I think it's really going to resonate with you. And it talked about a- abuse. And it was the first time that what I experienced as a child was explained in a book about abuse. Right. And I'd never thought of it as, as abusement. I thought of it, I mean, neglect somewhat, some of it, 
Some of it was just living with someone who had, um, I believe had a personality disorder. So, but it's really jarring when you put it in those terms. It's very, for me, it was very upsetting to have that word attached with my childhood mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I detached it often because it's too upsetting to think that that's actually abuse. But uh, so when I became a parent, I was like, I will not be the parent that I had. But I definitely was not ready. So I had to fight a lot of my feelings that I think after reading this book, I can't wait to talk about this on our book club book. I didn't realize was probably a result, a direct result of my parenting, the parenting I received or didn't receive. Mm -hmm. And then to be put in a position where you don't really know what the fuck you're supposed to be doing and to have parented yourself and you're no longer able to parent yourself and no one's caring for you. uh, I feel so many of the feelings this author is of this character is having. It makes me feel very bad about myself, um, about how, what my mental state was when I first had children. Yeah, mine too. And yeah. Yeah. And I think, Leanne, I have to say, I think even if you've had even a happy childhood, those first few years suck anyway for a lot of people. And then add in that, Mm -hmm. that I, I, I think it's more than we as a society recognize because it's brutal. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's a celebratory thing. It's something that we celebrate, mm-hmm. but I really think we need to say to moms, this is also traumatic mm-hmm. because it is. Oh yeah. Oh, I can list the trauma from it uh, a mile long. My list. Of and the things that went through my brain, I don't ever want to say aloud. Yeah. Like, it I was feel the same way. I was, was embarrassed awful. and ashamed of the things that would mm-hmm. go through my head. And nobody talks about that. Mm-mm. And you, it makes you feel worse when you go and see these other moms who are looking so, like yeah. they're in bliss, mm-hmm. who maybe has a baby that sleeps all night right off the bat or has a, a mom that lives locally and is right. here all the time and have a completely different experience of parenting than I did. And I, it would make me go, well, what's wrong with me? Right. Well, then I suck. Right. And then, but you don't really suck. And then there's the freaking, the, not to be graphic, but the blowing out of the vagina. Oh, Jesus. I know. It's horrible. I know. If a man's dick exploded, there would never be children. Yeah. That's what happened. Our vaginas like explode. And then you're supposed to put it back together and feel sexy. It's terrible. So I, when I had cancer, I was, and it was cervical cancer. Um, My oncologist was, doing an exam and she goes huh it's kind of floppy down here (laughs) and I was like well can you fucking fix that (laughs) what it's kind of floppy down here yeah she was uh, floppy floppy is the word that she used yeah that's pretty insensitive don't you think well I think her advice was we should fix this while we're down here and I'm like you definitely should fix that I don't ever want anybody to use the word floppy Uh -uh. to describe my vagina again or actually any body part no, I no, know, but especially that biceps looking floppy. Your triceps pretty floppy. <laughs> I guess maybe your boobs. Maybe, no, 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 I don't want floppy no, boobs. I don't want floppy boobs. That's a terrible there's, adjective. There's no good floppy anything. No good floppy on your body. Your hair looks floppy. But I floppy. mean, I was no. so embarrassed. Like I was so embarrassed and I had 
had my, my ex and I had broken up, but I had the first person that I was with after that. I remember I was like, I can't ever, it's awful. Like I was like, I can't get naked. I can't have sex with a person after having kids. And it's not something people talk about or no, no. And, and, and then when they do, they're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not fine. No, like, it's, I'm pretty no. sure it's not. Think about any kind of trauma, right? Yeah. Any trauma you have, you don't just go, I'm good. And you go right back in it, right? If your dad hits you all the time, you're not going to run up and hug the guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what happened when I had a baby to my vagina was so traumatic on top of the stitches and mm-hmm. the, the pain. And uh, it's gross. And it's, it's gross. like you feel gross. Feel gross. Yeah. I smelled like rotting meat literally for I remember you saying that. Weeks. Yeah. yeah. And to just be like, oh, that's all over is so unrealistic. I know. And we don't do any like emotional intervention there. None. 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 And it's just like, then one day you're just supposed to feel sexy. Yeah. Six yeah. weeks after you have a baby. Six weeks after you have a baby. Six yeah. weeks after not sleeping. Man, this is like, we got to teach our sons about this too, because. You do. I don't have you, a son, like, yeah. but you do. I think you yeah. do because mm-hmm. Bert was like, TikTok, we're on week four. Do you think we could kind of go in early? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Fuck you. That's what I felt like saying is fuck you, dude. And then like your nipples are awful and oh, it's terrible. And leaky. It's terrible and leaky. I get turned on and they just start spewing. It was disgusting. Oh, I don't think mine ever did that. Oh, but they mine did. Leak. My, I mean, mine leaked, but. No, yeah. mine did. Mine, I had plenty of milk. My boobs so, didn't get huge, but they definitely were good producers. It's funny though, how like quickly that just fades into the background. So I have a bunch of buttermilk in my freezer <laughs> and I opened my freezer and I saw these bags and they're in bags, they're bags of buttermilk. And I was like, oh my God, there used to be breast milk in my freezer, right? Cause you would pump yeah. ferociously, yeah. like store up as much breast milk as you could. And it would line my freezer. And I saw that buttermilk in there and I was like, oh my God, I had like not thought about what was it consumed me. Like, mm-hmm. when am I going to pump? When am I going to feed my baby? When is this going to happen? Am I going to be gone? Is there going to be enough milk? Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. I never pumped. Oh, you didn't ever? No, pump. I just had them tethered to me physically. I which... do. I remember that, that you were like very much on a schedule and you'd be like, I have to get home because yep, that's it. why I know Georgia was six months old. Cause I remember you telling I mean, your kids are older than mine. And I was like, this sounds terrible. Yeah. It, what's so crazy is that, especially when you're older, I think, is that I had a life, right? Yeah. A life that yeah. was mine. Nobody told me what to do or where to go or when to be anywhere. And then all of a sudden, it all completely stops on a dime. Mm-hmm. And it is all encompassing because it has to be. You can't halfway parent. I mean, you, they'll, the kid will die. Yeah. You, you have to be a completely beholden to someone else's needs. I don't know if this was your experience, but I was still trying to live my life. It wasn't until I had my second child that I completely surrendered to it. Mm-hmm. But like my first child, I was like, I'm going to still do all these things uh-huh. and I'm going to do this too. Yeah. Like we're going to do all of it. And then I had the second kid and I was like, oh, fuck no. And things actually got easier then because mm-hmm. I was like, I have to give up. There's just, I have to give up all these things. Right. Yeah. That I didn't have to. I, I should have with child number one mm-hmm. for my own peace of mind. I should have, but I, I could 
bare, I could squeak by. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to squeak by. I'm going to do all the social stuff. I'm going to like keep my work schedule. I'm just going to have this baby with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Would have been so much better if I had, I mean, most people can't afford to just quit, but it would have been so much better if I had like given up a lot of the expectations on myself. Yeah, it's true because you, you, you try to hold on to your adult self, mm-hmm. right? Really strong. And it's true. It would be compartmentalizing things sometimes is really hard. Like to say, I want eight things, but I can really only do two. Yeah. So you have to wait on these other six. Yeah. It's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what's required when you have a baby yeah. is it, now you can have two things. And it may be as simple as raising a baby, reading a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all you get. Because yeah. there's just no time. Um, you can't also take a ceramics class, also work a full-time job. Yeah. Also, you know, there's- And I was you, just tried to do all of that. I did too. I, I worked while I, mean, I had a baby yeah. without a nanny because mm-hmm. I was managing an apartment building. Right. And you could work with the baby. Yeah. You could work with the baby. So I, I'd sit her on my lap, return emails. It was terrible. It was such a was bad awful. plan. I know. Because I was worn out. And I was, I felt ineffective everywhere. Um, yeah. I felt yeah. ineffective everywhere. Yeah. It sucked. Uh-huh. Well, yes. But this, then I want to give the good on it. I love hanging out with my kids now. Oh. Like, I hated those years totally. so much. My kids crack me up. So my daughter was in, oh, my God, I love my kids so much. They were um, with their dad in Wisconsin for his family reunion my ex's mom is one of 10 kids and they have this huge family reunion every year and everybody goes. So it's close family. But with that many people, there's, you know, a a difference of personalities. And one of the uncles is a Jehovah's witness. And my daughter said, fuck in front of him. (laughs) And before they went, I was like, you guys, you need to clean your language up. Like this is actually district. You know, we had the conversation we have a lot of times about language And so (laughs) my daughter called me and she goes, mom, I said, fuck in front of uncle Dan. Uh Oh, (laughs) and I started laughing. I go, how'd that go? And she goes, not good, mom, not good. (laughs) (laughs) And then she called me a couple days later and she goes, so grandpa asked me if you were still ghostwriting. And I said that you were, but that you also teach people how to parent. And I go, Junie, you need to go out there and tell him that I am a ghostwriter and I create content for a therapist who does that. I'm not teaching anybody how to parent. And she goes, yeah, he made a weird face when you said that. How <laughs> when funny. I said that and I go, yeah, go tell him, go tell him. And she goes, no, that would be weird. We already had the conversation. And I go, well, then like act like a good kid. And she goes, mom, that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> so hard. Like I have moments like that all the time with my kids where they're just funny. And I like, I love hanging out with them Yeah, where they're like, your kids are a little older now, but mine are still like becoming who they are. Yeah. yeah like in like transitioning into my daughter, transitioning into like the teenage right. person. How old is she? 11. Oh, okay. And I love it. It's so fun to watch and yeah. it's fun to like watch her learn how to interact with me on a different level, Mm -hmm. you know, where like, I'm, it's not that I'm her friend, but, but there is a part of me where I'm her friend. Right. It's so fun. It is fun. Being a parent's fun. I actually liked most of when they were 
little all the way up. Like I really did like a lot of the toddler baby parts. I didn't like the lack of sleep. Yeah. I didn't like that. The And what caused me to be unhappy in the day was lack of sleep. 100% mm-hmm. because I was, I breastfed. I couldn't, because I didn't pump, Bert couldn't feed them at night. Yeah. I had to. Mm-hmm. So for years, and I breastfed both kids for one year, um, like to the day. I was like, happy birthday. No more boob. You're done. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. But I, I chose that. And that was a struggle also to go. You chose to do this. Mm-hmm. You chose not to pump. Because for some reason, pumping didn't, pumping for me, I was like, okay, I'm spending like 20 minutes to so pump. So much time. Yeah. So that somebody else can feed the baby but I'm still going to have to do something for that 20 minutes. So actually, if I just feed them, it forces me to sit down. Yeah. So I just need to just feed them. And then, and then Bert would leave. He'd go on the road. So I'd have bottles. Like if he, if he were going to feed a bottle, he's not there to feed a bottle. Sure. And it's easier for me to just put yeah. him on the booth. Yeah. So it didn't make sense for me. Yeah. Um, but I know uh, so many people have to do it because they work, but it just, for me, I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it all the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember the struggle of going, you chose this. This is what you chose. You don't have the right to hate it. Yeah. And you're also like not thinking clearly because you're so tired. Exactly. It's like, it's hard to know, do I actually want to stick with this? Do I want to switch to formula? And I mean, just the mental fuck there is. But the thing with you is that whether you were breastfeeding or formula, you were up. It you was were me. Be up. It was going to be you. Bert was traveling. Yeah. 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 Bert. I mean, when Georgia was three days old, he started touring. Yeah. So it was me all the way. So it was just easier for me to breastfeed. But that was the problem with me is that I would go, I'm actually happy to be here, but I'm miserable because I'm so tired. Oh, it's brutal. You know, I, I want to play with my baby. If I could just have a 20 minute nap, <laughs> that's the way I felt like for the uh-huh. majority of their childhood. I, I hope I'm sure they sensed it. I'm sure they knew and the personality type that I am, well, first of all, I didn't have my mom to come and give me yeah. a break. I did have my mother-in-law, um, but I, because of who I am, couldn't just give it to her. Yeah, I know what you mean. I couldn't. I know what you mean. So then I would lay in the bed to, quote, take a nap and listen. Does she need anything? Not my kid. I knew my kid was fine. I was concerned about my mother-in-law. Yeah. Does my mother-in-law need anything? Is she, she okay? Sleep? I know. Yeah. Is she, does she feel imposed on? Does, is she not happy? Is there something wrong? And I'm putting too much on her. I thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't relax because I, I didn't have my teammate there. Right. Like my aunt Diane came out. Girl, I didn't think about that baby once. She had her and I didn't think about her at all. But if it wasn't my family, I just felt like I was imposing. Yeah. And I know that that's complete. It's not my in-laws didn't do anything to make me feel that way. That's me. No, she was. I'm sure she was thrilled to be. She here. was. Yeah. She loved it. Yep. But my brain went, oh, I'm such an imposition. I know I do that too. You do? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why do we do that? I don't know. Because we're not. I know. And I think about. We've talked about this before. I want to help people. Uh-huh. Like if you said to me, Jocelyn, I need your help. I would feel so honored and happy to do that. And I would Same. never think what an imposition. Same. You know, but to do it in reverse. It's so why? Hard. I don't why? know. Why? Is it part of how you're raised? I bet. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I think about like, I actually, the thing that now I say to my kids all the time, so I used to always go, I used to say something to them about the story that they were saying in their heads and pissed them off. They would be like, would you stop saying that? But so now what I say to them all of the time is that a family, that what a family is, is a group of people who live together to help each other get their needs met. Mm -hmm. That's part of the definition of a family. Cause it was never said like that was never explained to me that no. we're supposed to help each other mm-hmm. get our needs met. My family members were huge individualists. So it was like, like <laughs> I remember I would go hiking with my dad and my, my husband at the time, my now ex, we went hiking once and in Montana and my dad got to the trailhead and he was like, okay guys, see ya. And just took off off the mountain. Oh my God. Cause he wanted to get a good workout and he was in better shape than we were. And we weren't acclimated just took off. And my ex was like, what the hell? And I'm like, no, man, it makes sense. He wants to get a good workout. Right. Um, he's taking care of him. Yeah. He's taking care of him. And I was expected to take care of me. So when I ask other people to take care of me, it feels not good. Very foreign, right? Yeah. I'm trying to really work on that with my kids. Like, let's help each other get our needs met. Let's help. What do you think would be helpful to the other person? Right. I've tried to do that with my kids too. Because I'm not, you know, funny that you say this. I'm going to check our time. Yeah. Um, make sure that you are okay. Um, oh, I need to go pretty soon. Okay. So we'll wrap it up. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been remodeling this house since God was a boy for, for, <laughs> for fucking ever. And I work so hard. I work from 630 in the morning till I am not joking till like nine or 10 at night every day, seven days a week. Because there's so much to do here. Uh, I haven't even really started unpacking much because I have so much to do construction-wise still. Right. And we've moved in so that we could enjoy the house as much as we could with the kids and Bert for the summer. It was a conscious choice I made. But <laughs> the guy who has really built my house is named Paul. He is the, I guess you'd call him the foreman. He's like the head builder. He's not the contractor. He's the contractor's the guy who builds everything. Mm-hmm. So he's working in my house. He's been watching me work now forever. And uh, wh- I, we took a dumpster away and decided not to bring in another dumpster. But all of a sudden I had all this cardboard from all these boxes that I was unpacking of like light fixtures and construction stuff, but it was cardboard, a whole big pile of it. And I was like, I think we need another dumpster. Dumpster comes and I start breaking down my boxes because that's my stuff to put it in the dumpster. And Powell stops me and he goes, no, 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 let let my guy do that. And I went, but your guy's doing like a skilled labor job. I don't have the skill for it. I'm not jackhammering the side of my porch, but I can break down cardboard boxes and put them in the dumpster. And he stopped me and he goes, why don't you ever let anyone help you? Let him do it. I was like, but I don't think like that. This is my mess. I made this mess. I should clean it up. Mm -hmm. And he goes, it doesn't have to work that way. That's not how it has to work. He's here to work for you. Let him do it. And I almost started crying. Yeah, I bet. It was so unnerving. And I love him, by the way. Oh, I love him like now a brother. I have a huge crush on him. Oh, I love him. I'm telling you, I love this guy like a brother. I'm going to miss him terribly when this is over because he's like every guy I grew up with, except he's 
Mexican. He's just like every good old boy from the South, the same human being on the Mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. But he was like, you got to let people help you. You're working all day. He gave me this big speech. You're wearing yourself out. You have to stop. I know people have to keep having to give you this speech too. Forever. I fell on my fucking face last year and ended up in the hospital because I don't know how to ask for help. It is like- And you take on too much. And I'm saying this too because I do the same stupid shit. I take on way too much. Way too much. And someone says, hey, we want to build a space shuttle out of this scrap heap. I go, I got it. Yeah. I can figure this out. I can totally do it. And you can't. It's so stupid. I feel like so stupid. After he said that to me, I was heating up Chinese food that I had been eating for days because I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to be healthy. And Bert had ordered enough Chinese food to feed the entire country of China before he left. And I had all this leftover, so I can't throw it out. So I've got to just eat it till it's gone. (laughs) And I'm looking at my plate and I go, there's not one green thing on this plate. I said to Georgia, not one green thing. There's not one green thing in this Chinese food. I am taking such poor care of myself. And I'm right back where I was a year ago. This is right before I fell last year was in September. So I'm right fucking back in the same place. Why? Why am I doing that? Why can't I let some other guy move the boxes of cardboard into the and dumpster? And you're probably taking better care of your dogs and your 100%. chickens. 100%. Yeah, than you are yourself. 100%. Yep. Why? Is it a belief system that I believe I can do everything? Yeah, I think so. For me, it's a, it's bullshit. It's a, like a productivity thing where I'm like, look at me, look at how it, it's not like, look at me. I don't, it's not that I'm wanting people. Not to look ego. At me. No, yeah, but- it's not. A, I want people. It's my own self. Like, look at how, like I can get a lot of stuff done. I can control this. Like there's chaos that okay. I can like, I, I just, can keep it under control. I just got, I decided I had an aha. Is it a control thing for you? No, what it's is- about your value system. Not valuable equals not productive. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is not about like how the world sees me. It's mm-hmm. my self-esteem. Like 100%. if I get a lot done, I feel good about myself. Yeah. However, the way that I'm living my life is not good in the long run because I don't have the time to spend with people that I want to spend with right. people. And I'm prioritizing things that shouldn't be equal to some of the other things. I'm doing the same yeah. exact yeah. thing. And it's relentless. It's never stops. Like mm-hmm. as soon as this project's over, I'll just replace it. And I, for sure. And I have to say one of the hardest things is that I work for myself. And mm-hmm. so there's not boundaries. Like mm-hmm. I think you could probably use some boundaries to contain you. Mm-hmm. So could I. And it's really hard when you don't have like a job where you have to be there from these hours and you have mm-hmm. these specific things true, and yeah. then you're done and you go home and you're done. That's true. I'm never done. Because I work yeah. for myself too. Yeah. I work for mm-hmm. Bert, which is myself. Yeah. And and you work from home and you yep. work all the time and there's yep. never an ending to it. And uh, working from home is a blessing. I wouldn't change it for anything. Mm-hmm. I love that I can just go to my, you know, I can pick my kids up from school, drop them off at school, go to things in the middle of the day. I love that. And it is seeping into everything. So. Yeah. I'm the yeah. same. Uh, how do you change it? Because clearly I'm having a hard time changing. I am too. Um, I'm having a hard time not not equating value with productivity. Mm -hmm. 
with, mm-hmm. with, I'm so competitive with myself. I'm not competitive with another person on the planet. Yeah. Uh, my trainer told me that the other day. He was, I work out with a partner. Mm-hmm. And he said, the partner needs, your partner needs another person to compete against. You compete against yourself so hardcore that you work almost better by yourself because you're not gauging yourself for the other person's benefit, right? So if I'm, I don't consciously do this, but if I'm like really good at squats and she's struggling with squats, I'll slow myself down. So she doesn't feel bad. I don't even know I'm doing it, Mm. but he told me that I do. So I don't amp it up, you know, oh, I'm kicking your ass. I don't do that. What I do is I go, oh, oh, okay. She's not keeping up. Let me slow down so we can be at the same pace. And he was like, when you're by yourself, you like, it's almost punitive. You have to do it like maximum. So your partnership is different. This is a different, totally different thing. That is so uh, abusive to yourself to have to have that high level of productivity to feel value. Yeah. I mean, this is something, honestly, we should talk about this with Kristen because I want to change it too. Okay. Like, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want my, that's not what, how I want my kids. I think my kids, like, they get quality time with me. They do. But they also get a lot of me distracted. And they say that. They're mm-hmm. like, you are distracted a lot. And it, we don't like it. We ask you questions. And sometimes we have to ask you three times because you're not really paying attention. You're doing something for work. Mm-hmm. We try to watch a TV show with you. And you're like on your computer. Oh, you know, I fall asleep yeah. the minute the TV goes on because I've gotten still. The oh, minute I get still, I am I don't get still. asleep. I still keep working. No, no, no. Well, they're like, let's watch. And I don't like to do that. I right. like to watch, except then I'm like, <laughs> I'm not watching anyway. So I may as well be productive. So I'll take a page out of your book and continue my productivity. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We should talk to, to Kristen about should. that. That's a really good thing to talk to her about because clearly... I am just continuing this cycle. And it clearly. is a lot of people that I know. And it is primarily women that I know mm-hmm. who are doing way too much. And then they're like a little resentful and they are, it, it's not changing. And it is like, it's also something where on the one hand, I get why, and I get a little resentful too. And I get why people get resentful, but I'm also like, this is me. Like I could set the boundaries in a different way. Mm-hmm. I could easily set the boundaries in a different way. Totally. And I don't. My friend Sandy, I think does a good job. She busts her ass all day, but at a certain point she's done. Oh, we should talk to her. She's like, I love Sandy. I, I love her so much. I don't know her very At well, a certain she's point adorable. she's like, I'm having a glass of wine and I'm cooking dinner and my day's over. Yeah. Unless there's something real special going on. When it gets dinner time, she's done. I don't do that. I go to dinner time and then I continue on if there's something more that needs to be done that I feel needs to be done. Yeah. And my, like what I do is if my kids need me, like if they need me, then I'm really, really good. Like I can be there for them. Yeah. But if they just want to hang out, like there's not a lot of just hanging out Mm -hmm. because I'm got shit on my list that I have to do. And I want more of the hanging out because that's yeah, yeah. where the magic usually is. Absolutely. You know, it's just screwing around. Yeah, playing board games, being goofy. By the way, at least every five minutes, I am reminding myself that I talked about my floppy vagina on your podcast. Ah! And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I talked about my floppy vagina. We can take it out. Nah. If you don't want to, if you <laughs> want don't. everybody to know your vagina used to be floppy. Yeah, used to be, guys. It used it's to be floppy. now. It now it's like <laughs> taught. <laughs> <laughs> is taut and pristine. It's like 
brand new. It's brand new. Right. Yeah. I totally. Yeah. Not that I know. I've never seen your vagina, but <laughs> I would have no point of reference from floppy or not. I'm proud of it now. I think it's like, uh, a, it's an O'Keefe down there. <laughs> <laughs> it's an O'Keefe. That's pretty funny. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for inviting me. It's, nice it's always so see. nice to see you. I know. I know. Maybe we should help each other hang out more. Well, I'm going to maybe come over on Sunday. Yes, please Sunday. do. Yeah. Because uh, that would be really fun. I'm literally five minutes from your I house. I can't believe that. I know. It makes me so happy. That It makes me really happy, too. So you come over anytime. Nice. I know. Make me stop working. Okay. Right? Yesterday, I was working so hard. This is the last thing I'll say. And uh, one of my old neighbors in my old neighborhood makes homemade ranch dressing, which is to die for. And she delivers it every Wednesday. And she texted me and said, I'm on my way to deliver your ranch dressing. And I happened to be taking my garbage out and saw her and talked to her for 20 minutes and told her how I've been overworked and overwrought. And I was like, Margaret, this 20 minute conversation has totally refreshed me. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's all it took. It wasn't really that big. It was something I know. really yeah. small. And you think it has to be some big thing. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it needs to be just as simple as that. Yeah. As a 20 minute com- phone call with somebody for no reason, but just to chat. Yeah. Or read a book for 20 minutes and just unplug. I don't know. God, I haven't read a book in so long. And for, I mean, I read books for work all the time, but. Not for fun. Mm-mm. I just read for the book club. Yeah. What are you for, reading right now? The Push? The Push. Okay. It's interesting. Some of it is written in second person. You did this, you did that, which oh, is nice. really interesting. And some of it's in first person. And it, it's really, it's very smartly done. Um, I'm a little depressed by it, but I think it's because of my own stuff that I'm seeing in the book. Right, right. But it's really good, really well written so far. We'll see. We're po- we're book clubbing it for the podcast, so I'll try to read it. Yeah, the push. I love, I love you, you, Jocelyn. I love you. Happy birthday! Oh, happy birthday to you! I know too. twins. How old are you turning? Fifty-one. Oh, I'm younger than you. Oh, well, you've always been younger yeah. than me. Duh. I would just like to remind myself. You're like year. way younger than me. I'm not way. I mean. When you're getting up to this age, there's no, like you're way younger. You're like turning forty-seven. Yeah, yeah, you're way younger. No, way younger. But thank you. I'll take it. You're almost my husband's age. I love my birthday. I don't get depressed. Do you get depressed? Hell no. no I love I my birthday. I know. I know. I already ordered my own birthday cake. Oh nice. <laughs> I ordered a, a cake, a where caramel you, cake. From where did you order it from? Caroline's cake. Caroline's. Oh. It's a bakery in South Carolina. My grandmother oh. used to make me a caramel cake, which is a very southern cake every year for my birthday and she's passed away and it's kind of hard to make. So I don't want to make it myself. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty damn close. It's not her cake exactly, but it's pretty close. So I ordered one for myself last year for my 50th birthday. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing this every year. I'm going to order a cake for myself today. You should. I'm going to order it from Cake Monkey. Do you know Cake Monkey? No. Oh, they're amazing. What is that? Yeah. It's in North Hollywood. Go- oh, you got to go on their website. Cake Monkey. I have to check it out. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get my caramel cake. It's only because my granny made it every year. Yeah. Every year. She I'm looking forward something. to my, so I, I sent my daughter some, she was like, what do you want for your birthday? And this is the first year that she's bought something for me. So I sent her some links and she was like, mom, I can't, I'm not going to get all that stuff. And I was like, no, I know you're like, I sent you several so that it's a surprise to me. And she was like, oh, okay. And then she goes, I chose the one that costs $37. And I was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, now I know which one it is, <laughs> but I'm actually really excited to get it. That's awesome. No longer a surprise, Jenny. No, 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 no longer, longer a surprise. surprise. <laughs> Thank you, though. My kids never get me anything for my birthday. They suck. They're terrible at all of that stuff. Oh, I'm pretty terrible at it myself. My yeah. daughter's birthday is a few days after my birthday and I haven't gotten her anything. So, oh, oh well. Oh, but I will. I will. There's Amazon. I know. It's the best thing ever. Isn't I it? know. Evil. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, I'll see you Sunday. Will you give me a tour of your house? I will right now. Awesome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.